Welcome to another exciting episode of The Tax Efficient Investor. Listen in as host Michael Johnston demystifies tax-efficient tactics to help you grow your wealth. We break down complex tax strategies and make them simple to understand and easy to implement. From HSAs to IRAs, 1031s, trusts, and more, we cover it all here on The Tax Efficient Investor. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael Johnston. Joining me today is Eric Oliver. Eric is the Vice President of Business Development at Cost Segregation Authority. Eric, thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Michael. So I'm excited to talk about this today. As uh, people probably guessed from the name of your company, we're going to be talking about cost segregation, something I think a lot of people have heard of, but probably don't understand fully how it works and why it can be so important. So we're going to nerd out. We're going to get into the weeds. But before we do that, Eric, give us the high level, the executive summary, uh, it, it, short and sweet. What is what is cost segregation and, and why should investors care about it? Sure. Uh, that's a great question, Michael. So cost segregation really is just accelerated depreciation on your real estate assets. So one of the benefits of owning real estate, why a lot of people get into real estate is for the tax benefits. So the IRS allows you to depreciate your assets over either 27 and a half years for residential units or 39 years for commercial. And um, instead of taking that one 39th of a deduction for the next 39 years, I want my deductions now. I'm not, I may not own my building for 39 years, probably not. And so I want my deductions now versus in the future. And the way that we're able to accelerate or push forward those deductions is by doing an engineering-based study where we come in and when you buy a building, let's say you buy a single family home. When you buy that as an investment property, you're not just buying the land and the walls, but you're also buying some flooring. You're buying some appliances. You're buying some ceiling fans, a garbage disposal, a driveway. All those items, the IRS says, should be depreciated at a faster rate. The problem is, is when you pay you know, $500,000 for that home, you nor your tax preparer has any idea what the value of the driveway is or the value of the appliances. So that's what right. we come in. We come in, we identify those short-term assets, put a value to them, and then provide you and your CPA a revised depreciation schedule that has everything line item and listed off at the cost. So a normal depreciation schedule will just say land and building and says, you know, land is 100000 building is 400000 What we do is we take that building piece and break it down into all its components or segregate the costs that allows you to depreciate that at a faster rate. Got it. So, yeah, when you're negotiating the, the price and when you're negotiating the purchase of a, a building, commercial or residential, whatever it is, you're not negotiating line by line saying, well, the, the stoves are worth this and the floor is worth this and the, the roof is worth this. Or you're, you're coming up with one, one purchase price, um, as you pointed out, for both the land and the uh, land and the building. So let's kind of just talk through as a great summary, by the way, let's kind of talk through a hypothetical example. Let's say. I'm an investor. I've got a, a syndication of, of investors. We're going to buy a multifamily apartment building. So we're going to spend 10 million bucks on it. And let's say, just for keep it simple, let's say the, the land is worth a million. Uh, the building's worth 9 million. So I think if I did my math right, you depreciate that over, over uh, 27 and a half years. If I don't do anything else, I can, I can have about $327,000 of, of depreciation um each year but let's say i'm smart and i i call i call you up and i say uh come to a cost segregation study here and talk us through what your what that process is um what that looks like certainly so the the kind of what 
you know, you, that's a great analogy. You said you've got a $10 million building, a million dollars worth of land that gives us 900,000 of what, or excuse me, 9 million of what we call depreciable basis. Yeah. Um, when we do a cost segregation study, we usually on a multifamily, we're going to segregate somewhere around 30 to 35%. Let's just call it 30% to be conservative. Okay. So if we segregate 30% of that 9 million or 300 or 3 million, roughly, if my math is correct, <laughs> um, 3 million of that will go into short-term assets, things like carpet, countertops, appliances, driveways, asphalt, um, sprinkler systems, all those different components. Now, when we break that up, we break it up typically into four different categories. We've got your five-year, which is all your inside non-structural components. Again, things like carpet, countertops, et cetera. You've got your seven-year. We don't always find a lot of seven-year anymore. Seven-year was kind of telecommunication lines or or cable lines, which we don't find as often anymore. Um, so you might get a little bit of seven. And then the other big category is the 15-year category, which is all your land improvements, all your ex, um, exterior components. Those get segregated into 15-year assets, and the rest of it falls in that long-term category. So when we do a cost segregation study, like I said, we usually find about 30% into those shorter asset lives. So if we can move 30% of that $9 million, or roughly $3 million, into those shorter asset lives, we now get to take that depreciation over either 5, 7, or 15 years. So that's mm -hmm. the first thing. The second thing we should probably be aware of is something called bonus depreciation, because bonus depreciation actually puts those numbers on steroids. And so um, as part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that came out at the end of 2017, 2018, uh, if you'll recall, Donald Trump was our president at the time. Donald Trump owns a, a boatload of real estate. And so the tax law at that time was very favorable to real estate investors. And, and two things changed. One is bonus went from 50% at the time to 100%. So any assets placed into service between 927 of 17 and 1231 of 2022 are eligible for something called the 100% bonus. Now, what that means is that any asset going into service during that time, instead of taking your five-year assets and splitting them up over five years, which is still good, you'd rather do that than split it up over 27 and a half. But now those five-year assets, they're eligible for 100% bonus, which means you get 100% of those deductions in year one. So in your apartment example, if that apartment was purchased in 2022, we segregate roughly $3 million into short asset lives, you would get all $3 million of that in the first year. So you're taking what you standard, a normal deduction, which you said was about three hundred and some odd thousand. Instead of getting a $300,000 deduction, you're now getting a $3 million deduction. So that's wow. in 2022. Now, that bonus percentage does start to phase out starting in 2023. Um, it drops to 80%. So let's say you buy that same apartment building in 2023. We've got our $9 million of depreciable basis. We're going to take 30% of that segregated, which is about $3 million again, and you would get roughly 80% of that or 80% of that, 2.4 out of the three you would get in the first year. The other 600000 would get spread out over the useful life of those different categories. So um, huge difference between not doing cost segregation and getting a $300,000 write-off and doing cost segregation and getting anywhere from a 2.4 to a $3 million write-off in the first year. Yeah, you're right. Huge, huge difference there, Eric. And I think um, just, to be, just to be clear here, what this doesn't do, it doesn't, your depreciable basis in both cases, in this example, it's still $9 million, right? You're not able to, to depreciate more than that. What you are able to do is you're able to depreciate it sooner. And depreciation is 
awesome because it is a a, a non-cash loss. So it reduces your taxable income. In most cases, that flows through to your investors and uh, and is going to reduce their their taxable income and therefore their taxes for this year. And there's a time value of money, right? That's one of the first things you learn in, in Finance 101. So um, if you can capture that benefit sooner rather than later, um, there, there's a, a big benefit to that. Even if the, the total number, even if it's still $9 million that you're depreciating, uh, being able to pull that forward has some some real benefits. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. So, yeah. I, I'm curious, Eric, what is your... What does your job look like? Do you you go out and visit the sites? You take an inventory of everything. How does the process work? Sure. So so my specific job, I'm not smart enough to do that. We send the uh, smart guys out to do the the hard work. So, um, but yes, that's basically what it is. So we first do a initial analysis. So we don't ever want to engage somebody unless they're going to save significant tax dollars. So the first sure. thing we're going to do is just run some preliminary numbers, get some pricing back to the client, make sure we're going to save some significant tax dollars. Once they've decided to move forward, we will um, set up a site visit. The IRS does require a site visit so we can actually determine what type of flooring, how much flooring, what type of appliances, et cetera. So we'll go out, we'll visit the property, bring all that information back, and then we will start to do the segregation on the back end. So the back end segregation usually takes about three weeks. Once we've done all the calculations, our deliverable back to the client and their CPA is a revised depreciation schedule and a report. The report is about 60 pages. Most CPAs will skip the first 59. They go to the last page, which is the revised depreciation schedule. That has everything broken out. They'll take that information, upload it into the tax software, and that's how you, the client, are able to realize that gain because now instead of treating everything as one lump asset at 27 and a half years, You've now broken it up into different categories. You've got the values of those different categories. And that's how the um, the deduction is realized by the taxpayer. Yeah. And then the, the taxpayer has this report, all 60 pages of it. I'm guessing that comes out if they get audited down the road, if the IRS wants to make sure that they weren't, you know, weren't too aggressive or that there's some support. I'm guessing there's, you know, there's, there's uh, some room for interpretation or, or judgment calls here, but um, you've got to have a basis in in, uh, in in reality and have a justification for why you assigned uh, certain numbers. Is that right? Yep. No, you hit it on the head. The IRS actually issues an audit guide that tells us how to do these studies. Okay. But you're right. There is some interpretation of the law, just like there is in any tax case. You know, if you were to take your tax return to five different preparers, you're probably going to owe five different amounts, depending on how aggressive, conservative, their understanding of the law, their interpretation of the law. And so yeah. same thing goes with cost segregation. Um, however, we do follow an audit guide that kind of gives us the framework of how to do it. But there is some judgment calls and um, some interpretation of the law that we have to go through on our end and make some judgment calls. Um, but the good news for you guys is the tax payers is we uh, back up our studies 100%. So if anything ever gets audited, we can defend it. We're never going to pull any numbers that we can't substantiate. You know, we use case law to say, hey, in this case with the IRS, you guys allowed them to take the carpet over five years. That's why we've chosen to take the carpet over five years, et cetera. So um, real safe doesn't cause, cause any additional IRS audit risks or anything like that, as long as it's done the right way. Yep. Yeah. And and there's... I want to make sure that your clients are happy today, but they're also happy you know, down the road. Um, and you can make them real happy today and, and you know, use like the 30 to 35 percent range. Make them real happy today and say, guess what? Uh, the, all the values in, uh, in the floors and the appliances, but uh, be pretty upset down the road when that audit comes. Uh, I'm right. guessing. 
Um, so let's switch gears a little bit here. You talked about the Tax Cuts and, and Jobs Act um, at, at a little bit earlier. I want to ask you about a different piece of legislation, the Inflation Reduction Act, the, the IRA, introduced a couple of other tax incentives, 179D and, and 45L energy credits. Um, talk about those a little bit and, and how you see investors taking advantage of those. Sure. Um, that's a great question. Those are two of the most underutilized credits and deductions that I'm aware of in real estate. They oftentimes go missed. Uh, reason for that, I think, is the IRS would, uh, in the past, they would allow these provisions to expire. And so tax preparers never knew if they were on or off. And so a lot of them, I think, just fall by the wayside. But um, very important, the 179D, that's a tax deduction for the construction of energy efficient commercial buildings. So it has to be commercial. Um, and you do have to have a third party come in. They inspect the building to determine how energy efficient it is. And if the building is energy efficient, you can get anywhere from a $2.50 all the way up to a $5 deduction per square foot. So if you have 10,000 square feet, you're going to get a $5,000 deduction. That's a $50,000 deduction if your building meets the qualifications. So to qualify, you're looking at really three components, the mechanical, which is your heating and air, the building envelope, your windows, walls, insulation, and then also the lighting. And so we'll come in, we'll take a, a look at all those different components, we'll put it into some modeling software, and that'll spit out a result to let us know how energy efficient that commercial space is. Um, again, you do have to have a third party come in. We issue a certification saying that, yes, we've inspected it, we've run it through the modeling, and it it meets a 42% decrease in energy costs, which means you're going to get a $4.20 deduction per square foot. So um, for 2023, again, it's anywhere from $2.50 up to $5 on a sliding scale, depending on how energy efficient the building is. I should say that it's kind of hard not to qualify for that deduction. So with the... With the um, strict building codes that are out there and the materials that are being used nowadays. Um, it's you got to go on the real cheap if you don't qualify, but most commercial projects will qualify. So it's definitely something to work looking into if you've got any commercial buildings. That's the 179D. Um, the 45L is a similar program. However, instead of a deduction, it's a credit. So a credit comes right off of your tax bill where a deduction comes off your taxable income. So with the 45L being a credit, it's a very powerful tool. 45L is for residential units only. So anywhere where somebody uh, is, well, the IRS considers it a dwelling unit. In order for it to be considered a dwelling unit, you've got to have a place to eat, sleep, prepare food, and use the restroom. And it's a uh, $2,500 credit per unit. So if you build a fourplex and your four units qualify, that would be a $10,000 credit that comes right off the top of your tax bill. So very powerful stuff. The 45 value, you're looking at similar items, HVAC, the envelope, um, the windows, heating and air, lighting, et cetera. And um, again, you have to have a third party come in. They issue the certificate, which allows you to fill out a form, an IRS form. You fill that out as part of your tax return. You've got the certificate to back it up. And then that allows you to take that credit. So very powerful stuff if you're not already utilizing it. Yeah. Great. And is that one is that one similar in that it's if you're building to code, is it is it relatively easy to meet that or is there a little bit higher hurdle with that one in your opinion? The 45L is a little bit higher, but it's not hard. Um yeah. again, the only time I've seen homes not qualify is if somebody's building like investment homes where they're just going and putting in a low efficiency furnace and you know 
very poor insulation. They're just trying to get the lowest cost possible. But most homes, most dwelling units do qualify. So um, definitely worth looking into. I should mention on the, the first one, the 179D, oftentimes you can qualify for those deductions even if you're just doing a remodeling project. So maybe you buy some commercial space, you gut it, you go in, you put in new HVAC, new lighting. Um, you may have enough energy reduction in order to qualify for some or at least a partial deduction on those improvement projects. Got it. And I think, you know, I, I always like to, to ask, Eric, you've done a great job kind of breaking down the, the what and how of these different tax incentives. I like to talk about the why, too. You know, why are we incentivizing this? I think in this case, it's probably pretty obvious, right? The incentive here, the goal of, of including this in the Inflation Reduction Act was greater energy efficiency in, in commercial and, and residential buildings, um, you know, presumably uh, reducing the, the carbon footprint of those buildings. Um, I, I live in a part of the country where a lot of folks use use wood burning stoves still, which has um, have a, an impact on the air quality. Um, so upgrading to kind of modern modern materials, modern technologies um, has has the impact of reducing electricity use. Is that kind of the the idea here behind this incentive? Yeah, no, you hit it right on the head. You know, the government uses the tax code to kind of incentivize the citizens to do what they're trying to accomplish as a government, and so. Yep. The nice thing about these energy credits and deductions, they usually get bipartisan support. You've got your Republicans who are looking for the, the tax breaks, so they love the tax breaks, the tax deductions. Democrats are looking for the green energy, and so they like the fact that we're reducing the carbon footprint. And so, yeah, they usually get bipartisan support, but you hit it on the head. That's kind of why they've put these programs out there. The nice thing that hasn't happened in the past that did happen with some recent legislation is um, the 179D has been made permanent, which is an important piece mm -hmm. of legislation. Um, now, permanent in the IRS's eyes, that means until we get a new administration or someone changes their mind. But as of right now, it's permanent. And then the 45L was extended through 2032. So um, these should be around for at least you know 10 or so years for us to be able to utilize and again, they're just trying to drive home that green energy um, construction. Yeah, great. And and just a um, one important distinction you made. You talked about deductions and credits for anyone who's who's not familiar. So a deduction generally reduces your taxable income, uh, whereas a credit comes right off your tax bill. So a deduction means you have have lower taxable income. That effectively reduces your tax bill because you have less to pay taxes on. Uh, credit is is kind of um, like a gift certificate for for paying your taxes, right? It just reduces the um, the total total tax bill that you have. Um, so, and then one other note for for folks listening to this, I would say you know a couple of different ways you can use this information. If you're an active investor um, who's a general partner in in a project, or you're doing your own real estate project, these are things that you can take advantage of to um, accelerate your depreciation, to reduce your tax bill. Even if you're a passive investor who's, who's listening to this, these can be good questions to ask when you're doing due diligence in a deal. If you're you're looking at a um, looking at a potential investment in real estate, you can ask the general partner. Are you doing a cost segregation study? Are you able to take advantage of of any of these incentives that came in place with the Inflation Reduction Act? So um, it's been valuable, kind of regardless of of where you fall on that. Um, Eric, I want to thank you for coming on today. This has been, I, I love diving deep into this stuff. Like I said, cost segregation is something I've heard a million times, but it's fun to, to dive a little bit deeper and really understand it. Um, I, I get it now. It's kind of fun to, to hear about how all this works mechanically. So 
My last question for you, for, for folks who want to get in touch with you, interested in your services, where can they go to find more about you and Cost Segregation Authority? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So Cost Segregation Authority, um, the best place to find our information is just on our website. It's just www.costsegsegauthority. Um, my contact information is on there. Please use this as a resource. If you're listening to this, you have any questions, um, we don't do tax returns at our firm, so don't call and ask me about child tax credits or earned business income because I don't know anything about that. I'll refer you back to your CPA. But if you've got any real estate tax questions, depreciation questions, we can um, definitely help you. I think the, the weirdest question we've been asked is how to depreciate deer at a breeding facility in Wisconsin. So Okay. <laughs> so we, I didn't know the answer to that. I had to do a little research, but some of the guys in the office knew and we were able to get the client the answer. So again, we don't charge, we don't bill by the hour. Um, so please feel free to give us a call. We're happy to help answer any questions you may, you guys may have. Okay. Well, awesome. You've been a great guest, Eric. Thank Maybe I'll have you back sometime. We can talk about depreciating deer uh, <laughs> or some of the, the oddball questions you get, but uh, thanks yeah. for coming on, Eric. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me, Michael. Have a great day. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.